Thanks for tuning into this week's podcast. If you'd like to know more about our ministry, you can check us out on the web at hillsideassembly.org. You're about to hear a message from our current message series, and I hope you open your heart and mind to hear a word from God today. On Saturday, January 20th, which is this upcoming Saturday, there is a ladies' gathering at 10 a.m. Guest speaker Gina Kafer will be sharing her testimony. Yes, that should be amazing. I mean, I won't be there, but I'm excited for the ladies who will be there, and it's probably going to be an amazing time. Also, this coming Saturday, there is youth group bowling. I will be going along with my wife, Hannah, and hopefully we'll be taking a nice group of teenage children. Teenagers, I'll call them teenagers. If you have a teenager or you know one, please invite them. Let us know. We'd love to take as many as we can. We're going to be meeting here at the church at 245 and driving them over. And if you have any questions, you can ask Hannah or you can ask me. And then on Sunday, February 4th, we are having a nacho taco bar. It's going to be here at church for lunch right after service. And there are signups for bringing food and for volunteering out in the foyer. So if that's something you'd like to help serve in that capacity, please do so after service today. Kathy's going to be coming up now to share about a hospitality ministry. And Chris. Lord, I just pray that it's your words that are spoken and not mine. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your peace. Well, you've heard a lot about women's ministry and that it's a new agenda that's been taking place here in the Ripon Church. And we've gotten a, a good start. We've been going for a couple of years and we're slowly developing into something more. Each year we're looking for something, another direction in which we feel God is leading us. So hospitality group is what is coming up and what we're hoping to start. You want to pass those out? One for each. What we're doing, what hospitality group is, or what we would like it to turn into, is that whenever there would be any kind of a gathering going on, uh, say a funeral, say a wedding shower, say a baby shower, uh, and we can go on and on, potlucks, different things like that. With these groups, we're hoping to get, by the way, Chris is helping me, as you can see, and she's here to give me a lot of support and to fill in any kind of blanks that I develop. <laughs> so, okay, where was I? No, all of, the, um, all of the different events that women can participate in, what we'd like to do is we'd like to get at least five uh, labeled A boards that are going through, and we're going to be sending them through for the rest of the month. And we would put it together, and we would divide them up into those separate groups. That group, or we would have a chairperson for each one of the groups, and that chairperson would be in charge of setting up whatever is going to be taking place, and it would go from one group to the next group to the next group and go back. That is so that one group or one set of people don't have to take care of everything all the time. It would be spread out among the women of the church and i think that gives us some sort of ownership of the church and make us feel like we really are starting to belong to something wonderful and this can take you and step you out of or get you out of your comfort zone fill it um just you you might be, have a good example give us a good example of what they might be doing like if there was a funeral it, you'd help out maybe sign up for the dinner um, if there, what are other examples? 
a shower. Yeah. And it's not a heavy commitment. So you don't even have to look at it like that. In fact, it's it just kind of a good way to get to know other women, new women. It, it's more of a blessing, not only for yourself, but to bless others, obviously. It's a good way to bind us together. You know, we're all part of the body of Christ and we're all different parts. And it doesn't matter what you're doing. It could be just bringing in a casserole. It could be just helping with the dishes. It could be just a, a what you might, what I might not think is anything major, but it doesn't have to be in the, when we're a part of the body of Christ, encouraging one another. And it's to lift each other up. It's to build up the body of Christ. And so I just encourage all the women or any women you know just to sign up for something, um, communicate with those new, new women, and it's it's growing. And so that's what we want. We want to to bless others and honor the Lord while we do that. I do want to mention that this is not a lifetime commitment. <laughs> Usually, when you sign up for something, you figure, okay, this is it. I'm stuck. Well, you're not going to be. All you have to do is just sign up for, for one event or, or we'll put you in one. And then if something turns up or this event has to take place, you're in charge of it. Not that the rest of the women can't help either, but you would be the basic um, team. And then it would go on. Now, say next month something else takes place. We have a wedding shower coming up. Okay, so now Team B would be in charge of that, getting that organized, contacting people or women to be able to help out in that manner or whatever. So it's not a lifetime commitment, but I think it's a I want you all to really pray about it and see what God wants you to do. It's not what you yourself want to do, but if God is leading you in that direction to be able to help out in some manner, be obedient to that nudging. And that's the important part of all of this. It's not what we are doing as the women of this, but it's what God wants to do with us as the women of this church. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I guess that's an amen. <laughs> but anyway, so that's basically what it's about. And if you have any kind of questions or if we've missed something along the way to explain to you, yes, Gina. Yes. Yes. If, if it's, you're interested in it in any way, you know, and it's no, not a major commitment. It's just I'm interested in helping somewhere along the line and uh, being a part of something. And it's just to, so we know. So we'd welcome any, anybody new, old. <laughs> we're, you're, as long as we're breathing, we should be, we're praising the Lord and giving to the Lord. As long as there's breath in you. That needs to be heard. <laughs> She's preaching. And it matters no how, it doesn't matter how big you might think it is or how small you might think it is. If it's for the Lord. So that's why we to make sure you pray about this because it's not your decision. It's what the Holy Spirit is telling you. And I believe as women of the church, this is exactly where we want to be and where we should be. And then the end result is obedience. And that really pleases our God. So, so if there's any questions later on, um, either contact me or you can contact Chris and we'll do our best to fill in any kind of blanks. But this is something really awesome, I think, that God wants to get started in this church. We can all take ownership and uh, praise our Lord. Amen. Thank you. Go ahead, Mike.
I want to remind you of something before we continue with our worship time here. That orange box on the table. Anybody not here last Sunday that does not know what that box is? Let me explain what that box is really briefly. Um, last week, oh, and we're, Jackie is waving at me saying, hi, Jackie. I think she wants the kids. <laughs> so if you're a kid and you want to go to kids' church, please follow Jackie. This is exciting. And Mike, you can keep on playing if you want to. Last week, Pastor Eric shared a message about breakthrough. And he encouraged us. I wasn't here, but I had a chance to watch the message. If there is a breakthrough that you want God to do in your life, even during worship or after the service today, if you want to come up, write down what you want God to break through in. We're going to put it in that box, and we're going to believe God for a breakthrough in our life. You believe that, that God can break through this year? We stand to your feet. Lord, I pray that you would open up our eyes, that you are a God that does break through, to realize that you are fighting for us, even when we don't see it, maybe even if we don't feel it. But we know that the Spirit of God is with us, strengthening us to live the life that you have called us to live. Help us to realize how great and mighty and awesome you are. Open up our eyes, God, to see your glory. Open up our eyes, who's in us, greater is the one who calls our name, he will never fail, stronger is the one within us, stronger is the one who fights for us.
again, miracles happen. Miracles happen when you move. Healing is coming in this room. Miracles happen when you move. Heaven is coming. This is a move.
thing that we can count on. God is never going to fail. He's never going to let us down. So no matter what you're facing today, sing it out in faith. God, you're never going to let me down. I put my trust in you. Can you sing it with me? You're never going to let, never going to let me down. You're never going to let, never going to let me down. You're never going to let, never going to let me serve an awesome, good, and gracious God. I realize there are a lot of people, you're here this morning, you're tired. Yesterday was exhausting, and man, I get it. But I just got to tell you, a moment in the presence of God can change everything. You know, I came this morning, I threw my back out yesterday. I have been in incredible pain all day yesterday, and this morning, I could barely walk. But as we sang that second song, that move song, there's a line in there that talks about healing coming in the room. And I got to kind of tell you, I could feel like a Holy Spirit snug <laughs> um, hand of God. I'm through. 
And I believe there are people this morning in this place that need God to break through in their life in some ways, some physical, some spiritual, some emotional ways. Do you believe that this morning? How many of you want to have a breakthrough with God? I know we're tired. I know we're exhausted. We're tired of shoveling snow. It's cold outside. But can we take just a minute and push into God's presence just a little bit more that God's presence might do something in and through you this morning? Wouldn't it be great if it's just not the pastor that experiences healing, but every person in God's house this morning experiences the healing of God? Let's do this. Robin, there's a song. Guys, we're going to throw an audible this morning. It's playoff season, and so sometimes you've got to throw an audible. Uh, awesome God. If you can bring up the song for Awesome God, let's sing this song together because we serve an awesome God. As we lift up our praises, I believe that the presence of God is going to just settle over you. And just like I experienced that Holy Spirit snuggie just a moment ago, I believe that same thing is going to happen to you. And wherever you need breakthrough, wherever you need healing, I'm going to believe that it's going to happen right now in the name of Jesus. Let's sing together this morning. Our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above with wisdom, power, and love. Our God is an awesome God. Our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above with wisdom. Lord, I pray right now that, God, your people would experience your power, your truth, your peace, your love. Whatever they need, whatever we lack this morning would be given to us through your Spirit. Lord, you still rule and reign. You still work in ways we cannot fathom. And, God, I give you praise, glory, and honor. And I praise you for the privilege of giving my testimony that you are a God who still heals this morning. You still do miracles this morning. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray that any person needing a miracle this morning would receive it in Jesus' name. And God's people said, amen, amen. Are you ready for the word this morning? Let's have a seat. Worship team, thank you so much. Look, I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm still twitching and things. I don't know what's all going on, but if God wants to put my body back in order while I'm preaching the word, I'm all good with that. It might just look a little weird. Um, but man, praise God, because just a few moments ago, I was in so much pain. I was, there was tears in my eyes. And now to be able to stand up in front of you and preach the word is such a privilege and an honor. God is good, is he not? God is good. And look, if he does it in your leader, he'll do it in you. I absolutely believe that. Uh, a couple things just here before, before I, I get into the word of God. 
uh, nominating committee. We're going to be meeting right after service, about 10 minutes after service releases. Uh, we'll meet uh, across from my office in the meeting room. Uh, Eldon Benton, uh, we were praying for him last week. He did pass away on Tuesday at 6.15 p.m. in the afternoon. Uh, funeral services uh, that is to be determined, so uh, we will let you know to make uh, strides forward. Um, she was able to, to walk with assistance uh, yesterday and the day before, so praise God, that is a huge step in the right direction for her. She still continues to have daily seizures, but we're praying for God to continue to break through in her life. And the plan as of right now, all this can change, but the plan is to move her uh, here to Ripon to Whispering Pines later this week so she can continue her rehab. I'm sure she would love to have guests and visitors come visit her. Uh, so if you, God would lead you so, please feel free to be able to do that. She'd love for you to come and talk with her. God's good, amen? Yeah. All right, so we're in Acts chapter 15. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn there. We're going to be doing a whole bunch of Scripture today. I'm just going to be honest with you. It is, it is a full canon load of Scripture, and it's a very different message from last week. Uh, last week, I think God really pulled on our emotional heartstrings. Today is going to be a little bit more of, of a brain message, intellectually. Uh, God is wanting us to break through in some specific areas of our life. One of the areas he wants to take us in in 2024 is a deeper understanding of God's word that we would be able to dig deeper and better understand God's word. Uh, and that's where his message is going to take us today. Uh, because we have so much scripture, I'm not going to read all of it to you today. You can go back and pick up bits and pieces, uh, then go read it for yourself. Uh, but let's go ahead and jump into Acts chapter 15 uh, to start, uh, start the message today. Certain people came down from Judea and Antioch, and we're teaching the believers, unless you're circumcised according to the customs taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. You got to love people who tell you why you can't be saved, right? Come on. I thought the goal of the church was to tell people how to get saved, not why they can't be saved. Verse number two, this brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed, along with some other believers, to go up to Jerusalem to see the apostles and the elders about this question. The church sent them on their way as they traveled through Phoenicia and Samaria. They told how the Gentiles had been converted. This news made all the believers very glad. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and elders to whom they reported everything God had done through them. Then some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, the Gentiles must be circumcised and required to keep the law of Moses. Again, it's interesting. It just seems like the heartbeat here of this Pharisee, the Pharisee heart is to drive a wedge between people. And I want to tell you, God is, did, Jesus did not come to drive a wedge. He came to draw people to him and draw us closer together. Verse 6, the apostles and elders met to consider this question. After much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them. Brothers, you know the same, uh, some time ago, God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them, just as he did with us. That scripture verse alone, chapter 8, is incredibly powerful. Incredibly powerful. It rebuts the message that these people are saying. 
They've come along and said, hey, look, unless, unless you're circumcised and you adhere to these laws, you cannot be saved. But you cannot tell God what he will and will not do. He is sovereign. He is Lord. He chooses when to move. And the fact that he has come into these people's lives, these Gentiles' lives, not only saved them, but filled them with the power of the Holy Spirit is God's hand and seal on their life. No man can take away what only God can give you. Amen? You are a child of God. No one can steal that away from you. No one can steal your calling. No one can steal your gifts or your talents. They are given to you by God alone, and that is powerful. That is between us and them. By putting on the neck to bear, no, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved just as they are powerful scripture. We're going to look at this passage of scripture for the next two weeks. This week, what we're going to do is we're going to drop in and we're going to talk about a breakthrough in confabulation. Ever heard of the word confabulation? I promise you it's not a word that Pastor Eric has thought up in his office all week, all right? It's a real word. You can go look it up in the dictionary. Ben, next time we're partners in Scrabble, we're shooting for this word, all right, confabulation. Um, we're going to get a lot of points. But let me tell you what confabulation means. Confabulation is a disorder wherein a person generates a false memory without the intention of deceit. We've probably all done it. We remember something not quite the way it really was. We tell a story, and it's not because we're trying to be manipulative or we're trying to be controlling. It's just it's, it's how we have perceived a past event, but it's not necessarily the truth. It's a false memory. And sometimes we can generate false ideas of a passage or a verse of Scripture because we do not understand the true meaning or the context of the passage around it. Look at what Hebrews chapter 5, verses 13 and 14 says, and this is from the Amplified Bible. For everyone who lives on milk is doctrinally inexperienced and unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a spiritual infant. But solid food is for the spiritually mature, whose senses are trained by practice to distinguish between what is morally good and what is evil. I want you to be mature in how you view God's word. As a pastor, and people come into church, they're getting saved, there is a time for bottle feeding. Right? We've got, we've got a newborn in our church. Not, not much really a newborn anymore. I mean, she's coming right along. Right? Bottle feeding is appropriate. But as she grows up, you know, we don't want her to be 18, 19, 20 bottle feeding. And as a pastor, I don't want you to be in the Lord for five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years and still going, I'm hungry, feed me, give me a bottle, pastor. I love to preach the word, but I want to be able to go to deeper places with you. I want you to be able to go to deeper places with God and to get into his word and go, the bottle was good for a time, but I'm ready for a steak. In the Holy Spirit. I knew I'd get Chris Kafer's attention with that. So let's look. How are we supposed to look at God's word as mature believers? As we mature in God, and listen, we're all on a journey. 
all of us are on a journey. All of us are in different places. The other thing that we need to realize is a healthy church is always bringing new people into the fold, and we got to bring them along, all right? And we can't drag them, <laughs> all right? I'm, I'm very glad some of you are maturing in God, but just remember, as new people come, they're babes in the Lord, <laughs> all right? We can't go from, a, from zero to 100 with them day one. We've got to bring them along in a discipleship process. All right, so it's important for us to go back and talk about things that we know and have experienced so that everybody can come and be on the same page and that another generation come up along behind us. So how should we look and view Scripture? Well, two things. One, we should approach the Scripture with the right attitude. What, what is your attitude when you get into God's Word? We, we want to have the right attitude because to go to God's word with the wrong attitude can be detrimental. So sometimes we've got to put our attitude in check. If we're going to the world, bring us in a place where we can follow the path that God has for us to teach us. You know, my, my mom always used to say, don't go grocery shopping while you're hungry because you'll buy food that you don't need. I've also heard people say, don't drive when you're angry. That's a good way to get in a car accident. In the same way, we need to be careful when we are interpreting Scripture when we're emotionally compromised. Now, listen, I'm not telling you that when you're hurt, don't go to God's Word. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is when we're hurt, we need to go to the Word of God, but we need to make sure our attitude is in the right place so that God's Word can actually guide us. We can let it do the guiding instead of us going, I want to prove a point. I want to validate my feelings. No, I want to hear from God for him to tell me, where do I need to go from here? What do I need to do? So we should approach Scripture with a teachable spirit. As a student, we should want to continue to learn. The second thing that we should do is we should look at Scripture within its context. That's a big word, and it's an important word for us to understand because a lot of people do not do this. And when, when believers do not understand context of Scripture, it can lead to a place of confusion. It's important to study the Bible, its passages and story, within their context. Taking verses out of context leads to all kinds of errors, misunderstandings. And understanding context begins with four principles. And these are the four principles I want us to begin to apply in our life when we start getting into God's Word. All right, number one, understand the literal meaning. What is it saying? <laughs> That's a good place to start. What is it saying? Two, the historical setting of the events of the story. Where is it taking place? What time? What, what, what's going on in the culture at the time? Those are important things to understand, and you'll see later today why that's the case. Three, to whom it's addressed. Understand to who this specific portion of Scripture was originally addressed to, what was their response to it, and what should our response be to it today, and for grammar, which is incredibly important. This is the immediate sentences and paragraphs that precede or follow the verse that we're looking at, as well as comparing the grammar of the Scripture we're reading to other parts of Scripture for further meaning to have a fullness of what we're understanding. Let me illustrate why this is important. I've got a picture of Google Maps. That's our church right there. That's a good-looking church for a picture. 
Now, if I were to throw, show you that picture of Google Maps and go, great, there's our church. You can see the dental office as well. Now, I want you just on that picture to be able to tell me what Ripon is all about. Well, it doesn't give a very clear picture because we're so focused in. We're so zoomed in on just this. I could, you couldn't give me an accurate depiction of what, what Ripon is. You couldn't tell me what state it's in. For all we know, that's in, that's in New York or California. Because we've got too narrow a focus. We need to be able to see a bigger picture to be able to understand what Ripon looks like. The context is important. You with me so far? Okay, great. We're going to jump in the deep water. When we start out as children and young believers, we look at one individual verse, and we memorize individual verses. And I'm not saying that that's wrong. I think that's a great thing. And individual verses are powerful, and a lot of them can stand on their own. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Powerful passage. It stands on its own. It doesn't need other scriptures to validate its purpose, but it can help to have a deeper understanding. So I think scriptures are good on their own, but there's also this fact to undergo circumcision, here's what we need to do as a church. We need to get a surgeon on call. Because you should get saved and you should get circumcised if you're not already circumcised. Because if we take the verse just by itself, that's it. There's not any room to, to negotiate that. That's what it says, does it not? But what we understand when we read the entire gospel, we understand when we read the Old and the New Testament, that it is not so much the physical importance of circumcision, but it is the spiritual circumcision of our heart that really matters. And the Old Testament, what they were doing is setting up a New Testament theology. Now, yes, there are medical benefits to being circumcised and all those kind of things, and most of the time it's done now in hospitals. But the fact is, is that taking a scripture out of context can really hurt our understanding of what God is trying to teach us. Taking Scripture out of context or confabulation of Scripture is still a problem today in all sorts of churches across the world. I don't want that to be the case for us. I don't want to, when we take a single verse out of its context, it leads to contradictions in Scripture, and that leads to confusion. See, there shouldn't be contradictions in Scripture. God doesn't just change his mind from one chapter to the next. From one book to the next, he goes, well, I love my people today, but tomorrow I don't know if salvation's for them or not. That's not our God. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So his word should not contradict itself. So when we run into a place where we go, well, I see a contradiction in Scripture, the issue is not God, and the issue is not God's word. The issue has to be our understanding of the word of God. We must dig deeper to understand what's going on. I know, we're intellectual message. Everybody's still with me. Okay, three people are with me. Lord, help us. We're going to get through this. It's all going to make sense in a moment. So let's not take single verses out of context. Let's learn how to put these principles into practice today. Remember the four principles? Can you bring them back up for me, Anthony? Literal meaning, historical setting, to whom it's addressed, and grammar. I want to take those four things. Let's apply them. So let's ask a question today, and let's go to a hot-button issue in churches, right? 
and, and let's ask a question, and then let's dig into Scripture and see what the Word actually teaches us and apply all four of these things. So here's our question for today. Should women be able to be pastors, board members, teachers, and use vocal spiritual gifts in church? All right, nothing like jumping in the deep end. But before we say, well, this is what I believe, this is what, what I've been taught, this is what the churches that I've been to, how about this? How about we actually get into the Word of God and see what God's Word teaches us about that? Can we do that? Let's jump in the deep end. All right, so for people who say uh, that women cannot do these things, they usually refer to two scriptures, the first one being 1 Corinthians 14, 34 and 35. It says this, women should remain silent in churches. They are not allowed to speak, but must be in submission, as the law says. If you, if you want to inquire about something, they should ask their own husbands at home, for it is disgraceful for women to speak in church. 1 Timothy 2.12 is the other verse that they tend to use, and it says this, I do not permit women to teach or assume authority over, over a man. She must be quiet. Okay, if we take these verses out of the context that they're in, it's very simple. Women should not be speaking in church. They should not hold teaching or preaching positions. But we already know that there are some verses, and we'll get into these later, that would contradict that idea. So let's put these verses back in their context and explore what is going on and what is the author actually saying when we put these verses into their context. Let's start with 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians is a letter from Paul. Guess what? It's not always this week. We've got enough problems, church. We don't need to create our own problems. That's part of being a healthy church is you're going to have some issues you've got to deal with. Those are called growing pains, and that's a good thing. And that's where the church of Corinth was. Corinthians, especially 1 Corinthians, is laying out guidance and structure for how to live a life as a believer. And it's also a blueprint for effective church ministry. Now, specifically in chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians, Paul is speaking about orderly church services. In the beginning part of the chapter, he speaks about the gifts of prophecy and of tongues and their purpose and place that they have within the church. So here is what we can take away from this. There were problems in the 1 Corinthian church because people were speaking all over the place. Somebody's getting up to try to preach. Somebody else is trying to give a gift in this area. Someone's giving a gift in that area. And chaos is ensuing in the church service and nothing is getting done the way that it's supposed to. And these poor pastors are pulling their hair out in Corinthians going, Paul, you got to help us because it's all going crazy. <laughs> and so Paul lays out, look, these gifts have to be orderly. The way that they're used in the church has to be orderly. We need cohesion within the church. And starting in verse 26, he lays out orderly worship, of, or orderly worship and what should happen within a service and how it should be ran. And what Paul, when you put this into context with the verse that we read, verse 34 and 35, you understand that Paul is saying, listen, don't interrupt the church service with questions. Don't, don't interrupt with the pastor going, excuse me, what was that word you used? Confabulation? I don't know what that is. No, look, look it up in the dictionary at home uh, or ask somebody after the service. Don't stop the flow of what God is doing. And so what was happening is people were asking and people, you know, wives were looking at their husband going, hey, I'd never heard that phrase before. What is that? And, and all this talking was going, it was taken away from the ministry that was taking place. 
Well, how can you possibly believe that, Pastor? Because four verses later, Paul says this, Therefore, brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues. He doesn't say just brothers. He says brothers and sisters. He's saying women should be able to speak of the gifts of prophecy, which the gift of prophecy, we talked about this several weeks ago, the main purpose of the gift of prophecy is to speak the word of God. He says women and men should be able to speak the word of God. Four verses earlier, he's saying women be quiet. That leads to confusion unless you understand the context of what's being said. Paul is empowering the church, saying let's be orderly, let's be proper. But here we see that he's telling men and women, I want you to be used in this gift. Be eager to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues. Wow. So let's take 1 Timothy 2.12, because there's a lot more around that one. I do not permit women to teach or assume authority over a man. She must be quiet. You know, you read that alone, and you're like, man, Paul's a little bit of a jerk. <laughs> he must not like women. But let's put the verse into context. Timothy is a young pastor in Ephesus. And the letter is written from Paul to Timothy. He's trying to encourage Timothy, who is this young pastor who, who he's having, just like every other pastor, has struggles in ministry. And Paul's writing this to encourage him and to set him up for success and to help him lead this church in Ephesus to victory. So what's happening in the, in the time that this letter is written in Ephesus? Well, we know that a great deal of people are getting saved and they're coming into the church, and that is a great thing. But there is some cultural issues that are happening as people are coming into the church. Because being saved is instantaneous, and it's also a process. We're saved instantaneously. But cleaning up this life and deprogramming our culture and our sin and all these things out of our life takes time. But we also, down, we got to rethink some of the ways that our life was before Christ. And that is the number one issue that's happening in the Ephesians church. Just look at how 1 Timothy starts in verses, uh, chapter 1, verses 3 and 5. As I urge you when I went to Macedonia, stay here in Ephesus so that you may command certain people uh, not to teach false doctrines any longer. That tells us that there are people in the church teaching false doctrines. Because he's got Timothy, he's like, look, you need, to, you need to straighten out your people's thinking. They're teaching things that are false doctrines. So command certain people not to teach false doctrines any longer or to devote themselves to the myths and endless genealogies. Now that's interesting. Myths, what, why is he talking about that? We'll get to that in a minute. Such things promote controversial speculation rather than advancing God's work. That makes sense, which is by faith. The goal of this command is love, which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Jump now to chapter 2, verses 1 and 4. I urge you, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all goodness and holiness. This is good and pleases God, our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. Paul lays out that, look, there are people coming into the church, they've got their own ideas, their own culture, their own baggage, but God's will is that they would all be saved. 
God wants them all. Amen? He wanted it for the church in Ephesus. I want to tell you, God wants that in Ripon. No matter your background, no matter what you believe, no matter where you came from, no matter who you are, no matter what culture you come from, no matter what color your skin is, Jesus wants to save you. Now let's look at 1 Timothy 9 through 15. I also want the women to dress modestly with decency and propriety or, or propriety adorning themselves not with elaborate hairstyles or gold or pearls or expensive clothes, but with good deeds appropriate for women who profess to worship God. So why is Paul beginning to lay all this out the way that he is? Everyone must be saved, and then he's talking about women's clothing. Well, let's understand the culture of what's happening in Ephesus at this time. The patron god of Ephesus was Artemis. So everybody that was not a part of the Christian faith pretty much worshipped this god uh, or goddess named Artemis. She was the supposed goddess of fertility. So who worshipped her? Well, she was probably the most worshipped deity in Asia and probably uh, in the world during Paul's time. So we had these temples to Artemis. People were worshipping her. What was worship like for them? Well, hundreds of eunuch priests. There were virgin priestesses and religious prostitutes who served her and worshipped in rituals at the temple and in the communities, and these service and rituals were quite erotic and provocative. So these women who are coming into the church, and they're bringing their cultural baggage with them, they're dealing with these tons of unhealthy habits and inappropriate doctrinal thinking, and it's causing problems within the church. Paul's wanting to address that. Then we come to verse 11. A woman should not learn, or women should learn in quietness and full submission. I do not permit women to teach or assume authority over a man. She must be quiet. Paul is trying to emphasize that these women who are coming in from this culture and who have had leadership roles outside in the culture or in this pagan worship need to have their lives transformed, that they need to be properly discipled. Go back to that phrase that we see in this passage because our English language is so strict and tiny compared to other languages. And the Greek language is a very vast and broad. They have, I don't know, 35 words for love that all have different meanings. We have one and it's supposed to mean everything. And this is where some confusion can come in. But when we look for the word, the word, the Greek word used here for authority, it's a Greek word called arithentarian. It's the only place that Paul uses this word in all of his writings. And in fact, it is the only place in Scripture that it's found. So what does this mean? Well, we can't go to another passage to get its meaning, so we have to look outside of the Bible to be able to understand the context of this Greek word because we don't use this Greek word today. And this Greek word has an abusive connotation to it. So when we understand what this word was actually saying, what Paul is writing here is do not let women abusive, excuse me, abusively teach uh, or abusively prophesy to men because in, uh, because in the worship of Artemis, that was permitted and encouraged. The Ephesus culture was that these priestesses, these women would abuse and seduce men as a part of their worship practice. Paul is saying, we do not want that to be happening in the church. (laughs) 
We don't want everybody sleeping with everybody else and doing these provocative things and all the seduction because that is not the heart of God. So while Paul is laying out some very strong things to understand in the context of what is happening here, Paul has a church that's full of people coming out of this culture, and Paul is saying, Timothy, you've got to lead, and you've got to get these people discipled. You've got to get them properly taught. In the very next passage, I don't have it here, and I don't have it up on there, but Paul refers back to Adam and Eve. And he talks about teaching. Well, why talk about that? It's interesting. If you go back to Genesis, Adam is by himself. God goes to him and says, hey, don't eat from this one tree. <laughs> All right? He did never, to, to our recollection, the Bible never says that God told that to Eve. So who taught Eve? Adam. But when Eve is presented with the serpent and the serpent goes, did God really say that you couldn't eat from that tree? She says, we cannot eat, nor should we also, what? Touch it. That's not what God said. Now, I realize that's probably a good rule to have. <laughs> if you can't eat it, don't touch it. That would probably stop that. But she, she was misinformed, and it was Adam who actually did the teaching. <laughs> so just think about that. What he is saying for this is he's going, look, properly teach. Properly teach, properly disciple, bring these people along. We've got, to, we've got to deconstruct their bad habits so that the church can be full of God's goodness and love and we can be about the work of salvation, which is what God wants to do. So we've looked at these two passages of Scripture, but that still leaves us with a question. Should we have women teach, serve, uh, and serve as pastors or be able to be board members in church? Well, let's take more than just these two verses. Let's look at the context of the entire Word of God, both Old and New Testament. Old Testament, Queen Esther, who the Scripture talks about her using her full authority to lead. In Judges chapter 4, verses 4 and 5, we see Deborah. It says this, Deborah, a prophet, which meant what? A person who is speaking the Word of God, leading the wife of Lapidoth, was leading Israel at this time. She held court under the palm of Deborah between the Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim. And the Israelites went up to her to have their disputes decided. Deborah was a prophetic leader and judge in Israel. So here we have a woman fulfilling those roles. But Paul himself, let's look at what Paul writes, because Paul is writing in the New Testament, Old Testament theology, New Testament theology, there's things that change. And Paul is very, you know, we just read two verses that Paul wrote. What about the New Testament? And specifically, what about Paul and what he wrote? Well, let's see what he wrote about women in leadership. We look at Phoebe in Romans chapter 16, verses 1 and 2. I commend, you, I commend to you, Sister Phoebe, a deacon, a board member of the church in, in Senkia. I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of his people and give her any help she may need from you. She has been the benefactor, and word benefactor means helper or leader of many people, including me. Paul is saying, Phoebe has led me at times. And calls her specifically a deacon. Then you've got Jonia. 
great and uh, in Romans chapter 16, verse 7. Great Andronicus and Junia, or Jonia, my fellow Jews who have been in prison with me, they are outstanding among the apostles, and they were in Christ before I was. Here we see a woman, and he says, hey, they're great among the apostles. That holds a lot of weight. Priscilla, we see in Romans chapter 18, was part of the teaching team that taught Apollos, perhaps the greatest preacher of the early church. And she was teaching him proper doctrine and teaching, uh, teaching techniques. Wow, that's in Romans chapter 18. And finally, we see that Luke writes in Acts chapter 21, and he mentions the four daughters, uh, uh, the four daughters of, oh man, I didn't, Philip, four daughters who prophesied. So this supports that women, ha women having roles of being teachers, deacons, and pastors. So for our church, we support women who love Jesus, who are teachable in spirit, who are humble in spirit, and who are full of the Holy Spirit to serve in those roles in our church today. And if you're like, well, that's our church. What about the Assemblies of God believe? We believe the same thing, and we've got position papers right here. I've got seven copies. I'd love for you to be able to have those and read over them. But do you see what we just did today? We took a very controversial issue that a lot of people have issues with, that however one side or the other, we said, look, let's just take the verses, let's look in the Bible, let's see what the Bible says, and you know what the Bible does? It tells us. It tells us. And I realize for some of you, Pastor, that is a whole lot of work to come to this conclusion, and it is a little bit of work. It is a little bit of digging. But I want to make sure you have the proper tools. Of course, you can ask questions anytime that you want of our pastoral staff. I'm not saying I'll have the answer right away, but I'll help you dig for the answer. We've got a national office that's willing to help us. We've got great tools uh, in our grow groups to help us go deeper. I encourage you to come to a grow group Sunday mornings uh, at 9 a.m. Plug into a grow group. And you know what? If you need a Bible that helps you dig a little deeper, Life in the Spirit Bible is a Bible offered by the Assemblies of God. It's got teaching notes that go right along with the passage so you can read it and read the teaching notes. It'll help you go deeper. Getting a teaching Bible like that very much will help you understand some of the, the finer points, especially when it comes to grammar, um, to be able to go, okay, well, this is, what it, this is what's written in English, but what was the true meaning back in the day? Finding those things out are important sometimes to find out the context. All of this to say this morning, church, God is calling us to go deeper in the word. God's calling us to have breakthrough, and one of the biggest breakthroughs that we can have is to say, God, I want to go deeper in your word. I want to understand your word better. Robbie, would you come back to the piano this evening as we, or this morning as we get ready to close? I know this morning doesn't have that emotional hook like I normally preach from. Um, this is a little different. It's a cerebral message, and it's meant to stretch our mind. Would you do this? Would you just stand to your feet this morning? I just want to make a pledge to our church. We're going to continue to preach the word effectively in the best way possible. Whether it's me or Adrian or somebody else that's up here preaching, we're going to take the time to look over the scripture. We're going to do our very best to have the Holy Spirit guide us 
and the words that we say be meaningful, impactful, and be true. We're not perfect. We will flub up. We will say things. We'll goof up from time to time just like everybody. But we are dedicating ourselves in this church to understanding the fullness of God's word. To not taking things out of context, but to put them in the full context because there is a beautiful picture that's being laid out. Remember when we started uh, today, I had that illustration of the Google Maps, right? And just a picture of our church. Well, imagine for a moment puzzles, a jigsaw puzzle. A thousand pieces, and if I gave you one each, and I told you, hey, what's this picture of? Nobody is going to have a clue what that's a picture of. But it's amazing when you start putting a jigsaw puzzle together, the picture that's laid out. It can be breathtaking. And that's what God's Word does. It may start when you first come to Jesus. Maybe you only got a couple puzzle pieces, maybe single scriptures that you can stand on. And that's great. That's a great beginning. But God wants you to add to the pieces of puzzle that you've got. He wants you to be able to begin to put the pieces together so something beautiful can be. And Lord, you're doing great and mighty things in our church. You're changing us. You're transforming us. You're taking us to new places. You're breaking through some paradigms that need to be broken through. And Lord, it's easy for us to, to grab our Bible and do devotions and just read it and let it go. But Lord, I believe that you're calling us deeper. I pray that the Holy Spirit may spur us in our time with you as we read the word to say, what does this mean? What, what, there's something deeper that God's trying to speak to me and to wrestle with you, to wrestle with your presence, to wrestle with the spirit, to, to, to have our mind expand and to see the scripture in a bigger way. Lord, I pray as we read through your word and things that we've maybe read dozens and dozens of times, we would just see a, a new meaning, a deeper meaning than we've ever seen before. God, break through in our lives with your word and the importance of the word. It is, it is the building block that everything else in our faith stands upon. It need, we need to have a solid understanding. We need to have a firm foundation to plant our feet. I thank you this morning that, God, you met with your people. That this is a house of worship. It's a house of praise. It's a house of your word. It is a house of healing. And I thank you that you still do incredible miracles. Lord, I pray we go deeper with you. Lord, we give you praise, glory, and honor. And God's people said, amen, amen. Uh, this week, church, the plan is to have grow groups on Wednesday night, Lord willing. Um, you never know, living in Wisconsin, what we'll be, what we'll be dealing with. Uh, but we plan to have grow groups at 6.30. I'll be teaching the adult class. Jackie will be teaching kids class on Wednesday night, 6.30. Um, we look forward to the great ministry that God's going to pour out in our church. Next Sunday, we're going to go back to this passage of Scripture and go in a very different direction than what we went in today. Uh, and so I hope you'll join us next Sunday for that. Also, the great serving opportunities. 
Uh, we've got that new women's ministry that's starting off. I'm excited about that because last night uh, I got a phone call and Webster's has asked us if we'd partner with them. Uh, Webster's has been great, such a great ministry partner for us. Um, these lights that are up here on the ceiling, uh, they paid for half of that. Said, we want to bless your church. Um, they called me up or got a hold of me on email yesterday and, and said, uh, we, do, we got a foundation dinner coming. We, we don't really have a place to go. Would you be willing to host us for a foundation dinner in February? I said, absolutely. So we'll be asking some of you to come help us serve uh, Webster's and all those people. Uh, I'm looking for a couple parking attendants because we did this once before. We'll need some parking attendants because this place will be packed uh, that day. But that's coming up in February. There's other great things in your bulletin to look at, too many to mention. But church, I want to tell you, I love you. We, God is doing things. You are a great man or woman of God. Continue to seek his face. Let God do great things in and through you. Let's pray over the offering and you'll be dismissed. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to give today. Lord, of our tithes and offerings. Lord, we thank you that, Lord, we have missionaries across the globe serving you in incredible ways, and we have opportunities to give to that. We thank you that you resource this church. Your promise to us, Lord, is if we preach the word effectively and we do our best to reach the lost, you would resource this body. We would have what we need, and Lord, you have blessed us incredibly. Lord, I pray a blessing over every person who gives today, meet their needs in incredible ways right where they're at. Lord, may we go with your spirit today as we leave this place. And Lord, we pray for the green and gold. We want us. We give you praise. Full afternoon, church.